Iowa everywhere. Reaction podcast following Iowa's 13-10 to 10 win over Minnesota. I'm actually recording this one right after the game, um, so instantly reacted recording as my wife and I are out in uh, Joshua Tree, California, taking in some of the amazing sights and sounds of the American Southwest as well as the beautiful beaches of Dana Point and Laguna Beach in California and uh, took a time out to watch this Iowa game, 13 to 10. You know, I was sitting there wondering, this season is going to be memorable. It's not going to be memorable for offensive excellence, that's for sure. And this day, it won't even be memorable for defensive excellence as Iowa allowed 6.1 yards per play which is going to hurt their average. They came in this game at 3.84 yards per play, leading the nation. They allowed 6.2 yards per rush. They allowed 312 yards rushing, and they rushed for just 59. I don't have the ability to search the statistical database. I am willing to wager you 20 bucks. Iowa has never won a game where they gave up 300, and they rushed for less than 60, where they gave up over 300 yards rushing and rushed for less than 60. And I'm willing to wager you their winning percentages in games where they gave up over 300 yards rushing is no better than one in four, probably more like one in nine or one in 10, maybe even worse than that. Well, today was the one. Today was the one. And somehow, some way, Iowa is at seven and four. And they have a chance in six days from my recording this, the day after Thanksgiving, beating a rough Nebraska game, a rough Nebraska team, rather, at home. That's all they have to do to win the Big Ten West. A team that was 3-3 three and three at one point after, um, yeah, they, they were 3-3 three and three at point. They were 3-4 and four at one point, left for dead by most everyone on the outside. And for with good reason. That's not, I'm not criticizing anybody that left them for dead. I did. I struggled to see them getting to six wins at that point in time. The way their offense was playing, their inability to score points offensively um, on their own without help from the defense. And I'm not saying that that's changed a whole hell of a lot because it really hasn't. We'll talk more about that as this installment of the podcast goes on. But here they are at 7-4. and four. A win against Nebraska away from being 8-4 and four, and playing either Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. We, we can wait and talk about that for if it happens. Mo Ibrahim for Minnesota is one of the toughest runners I've ever seen in the Big Ten. He... His acceleration from when he finds the hole that he wants to go through is incredible. Now, his top-end speed isn't good. If it was, he would have had three, you know, 60, 70-plus-yard touchdown runs in this game. He blew out his Achilles early last season. So he doesn't have the top-end gear. But he has a get-up-and-go gear that is unlike many running backs I have seen. And Iowa has seen some really good running backs this year that read the offensive line 
they find their cut, they find their hole, they cut, and they go. Mo Ibrahim, uh, Corum from Michigan, uh, the kid from Illinois whose name for some reason I can't, Brown, is it Brown? Can't remember his name. If it's not Brown, I apologize, but you know who I'm talking about. We're talking about really, really good running backs. This is one of the best slate of running backs Iowa, an Iowa football team has faced in a number of years. And Mo was the truth today, 39 carries, 263 yards. Now, on Minnesota's last possession prior to their, you know, true last possession, so I guess their second to last possession, after Iowa went three and out following the Mo Ibrahim fumble at the 10, Iowa goes three and out. They don't attempt a running play there after their, their defense was on the field for 14 rushing attempts in like six or seven minutes a clock. We don't even attempt a run. It was not one of Brian Ferentz's best games. So Ibrahim breaks a run. You know, they get it on the Iowa side of the 50. And then he gets bottled up on a first down play and maybe gained one or two. And he got nicked up. That was his 39th and final carry. In comes the backup running back. And Minnesota wasn't able to do anything. And then Iowa forced them to pass. And that's when the Jack Campbell interception happened. Yeah, didn't look like he was out. It's what it is. And Iowa does just enough. The pass that Brian Ferentz did dial up that went to Luke Lachey that play, that was good. That was good. And Lachey gets the ball down inside the 15. Iowa makes the kick after some – I think Kirk Ferentz forgot that the game clock had already run down followed, following Iowa's third down play. I think he'd forgotten that the game clock already ran down. And he was screaming at the official, why isn't the clock going? I think he forgot. And then the actual game clock did start to wind down when they started the play clock, which shouldn't have happened because Minnesota had called their final timeout. Unless I'm getting it wrong, I think that's what happened there. I'm going to go pull up the play-by-play here. Fourth quarter, um, Minnesota drive starting, scroll down, end of game. Um... So Iowa's drive started at the Minnesota 45 with 2.06 to go. Petrus pass up the middle of 23 yards to Lachey on first down. Next play, LaShawn Williams runs up the middle for two yards, and that's a timeout, Minnesota. They're second. Next play, second and eight. LaShawn Williams runs up the middle for a gain of seven on second and eight. Minnesota called timeout. It was third and one. LaShawn Williams runs up the middle for no gain. Minnesota can't stop the clock at that point in time, but the game clock did run down to zeros. They just didn't call a timeout. Iowa didn't call a timeout. There wasn't a penalty. I think the officials blew the play dead with maybe a second or two left on the game clock. And, hmm, interesting. It'll be interesting to see what Kirk Ferentz says after the game because if the officials, if the officials blow it dead, should the play clock, the game clock, start over again? I don't know. Maybe Kirk's onto something here. Again, I'm recording this instantly after the game. I haven't seen or heard any of Kirk's comments. Haven't seen or heard anything from anybody else relative to the rules. I do know, as we all do, 
There were no penalties called in this game. None. And Scott Docterman tweeted after the game that that was the first college game. Gosh, how, how long was it? Let me, let me find Doc's tweet here. Um, the first time since 1986, per the NCAA FBS record book, that there were no penalties recorded in a game. Now, were there no infractions taking place? No, but there were none that were called. Um, Matt Benson from Twitter, just since I'm on here right now, sorry that this is all over the place. Uh, Spencer Petras' 11 career rushing touchdowns are the most by an Iowa quarterback since Matt Rogers had 15 between 1988 and 1991. Um, This is the longest winning streak in the series by either team. Eight wins consecutive for Iowa. It's the longest winning streak in the series for either program since 1934. So, as Patrick Vint tweeted, nobody has held Floyd longer than the Iowa Hawkeyes have held Floyd right now. That's great. All right, back to some uh, statistical aspects. Spencer Petrus, 15 of 25 for 221 yards. Uh, No touchdowns, no interceptions. 63% completion percentage. Solid game for Spencer. Very solid game. No turnovers. When it's that cold, the ball is... The ball, in some ways, is more slick than if you were playing in rain and the temperature outside was 65 degrees. A cold ball like that is slicker than snot. I mean, Iowa had three fumbles in the game. They didn't lose any of them. They were on quarterback center uh, exchanges, um, shotgun mostly. Minnesota had one fumble, and that one fumble hurt. Minnesota won the time of possession battle, 35-16 to 24-44. And that fumble... That one leaves a mark. But Spencer Petrus, competent, solid. Didn't say good, didn't say great. Said competent, solid. Wasn't a great day for Iowa's uh, running game as Minnesota's defense is really, really good. Really good. They're a top 15 national defense. You know, keep playing the hits. That's what Iowa was up against this year. An offense that wasn't ready to make major strides the way that maybe we've been led to believe they were or had. And they ran up against um, six or seven top 15 rated defenses. Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa State, Minnesota. Was there, is there another one that I'm forgetting somewhere in the mix? South Dakota State's not bad either. Uh, Rutgers. Rutgers is top 15, or they were as of last week. And that's it's a pretty tough stretch. And Iowa has seven wins with an offense that didn't deserve it and a defense that you know, pretty much made the date. Another great game by Cooper DeGene, this time mostly showing his uh, forte on special teams as a, uh, a punt gunner, but a great day. Um... Johnson, Caleb Johnson, averaged 5.4 yards per carry, eight attempts, 43 yards. You know, and LaShawn Williams had 11 attempts for 38 yards. I mean, when you, when you take away sacks, Iowa had 69, excuse me, 69 rushing yards, which is not a lot. Um, and, I, and I think Brian Ferentz went away from probing the rushing attack, certainly to the outside. I, I think he went away from it far too often. I think he got a little cute at times. Um, Luke Lachey, 
five catches, 77 yards. Sam Laporta, four catches, 95 yards. Was that all in the first quarter by Sam Laporta? Seemed like it. 82 of Laporta's 95 yards came after catch. 21 of Lachey's 77 yards came after catch. Laporta had a long of 58, which was the first play of the game for Iowa. Uh, Lachey had a long of 33, which was the uh, probably resulted in the game-winning play for Iowa's offense. I mean, the, you know, that might have been Jack Campbell's interception in return. Uh, Brody Breck, two catches, 21 yards. Go look inside some of the comparative stats that I like to uh, analyze. Um, Iowa had 23 first down plays. Iowa's average gain, Iowa's, Iowa's average first down gain was 7.1. That's surprising to me. Minnesota, 25 first down plays, uh, and they averaged five yards. Iowa averaged 4.5 yards per carry on 15 uh, first down rushing attempts. It was just after that that got them. So Iowa, 15 first down rushing yard. Uh, 15 first down rushing attempts for 68 yards, and they had 28 attempts. Well, Petrus was counted for five, so that's not that's not legit. Um, and then the team with two, so that must have been a, a Neil. You know, I mean, Iowa. Brian Ferentz is not going to like when he goes back and looks at this. You were having success running the ball on first down. The vast majority of your rushing attempts came on first down. And I think he just got too cute. I think Brian got too cute. I think there's probably more rushing yards to be had in this game. But, you know, again, they won 13-10. Not going to kick him out of bed for eating crackers, as the old saying goes. Um, other, you know, Let me go back here to some of the other game statistics. I, doing this instantly, probably not the best, but, hey, it is what it is. And I want to devote uh, my time tomorrow to myself and my wife and myself on a golf course in Palm Springs, which is a bucket list move. Um, 52 plays for Iowa, 65 plays in the game for Minnesota. It's, it's, you, you look at these statistics, and if you didn't have the team name, I mean, you would absolutely say the, the team that had Minnesota statistics won the game and they won it comfortably. But they, they didn't. They didn't win the game. Let's go look at drives. Minnesota's uh, drives, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drives in the game. They only scored on two of them. Their last three drives, they fumbled, they had an interception, and they turned it over on downs. Before those, they had six drives. Six plays punt, three plays punt, then the nine-play, 72-yard touchdown drive. Uh, Eleven-play, 73-yard drive, field goal attempt, missed. Eight plays, 76-yard drive, field goal. Six plays, 31-yard drives, punt, and then the aforementioned fumble, interception, downs. Iowa in the second half, six plays for 26 yards, seven plays for 39 yards, three plays for four yards, punt, three plays for zero yards, punt. That's the one that Iowa didn't run any, didn't, didn't attempt any rushes after Minnesota had just gone on a 16-play, 88-yard drive that used up 8.52 of the clock, and Iowa goes three and out. And thankfully, Minnesota threw an interception, and thankfully, Mo Ibrahim went out after the first down. And, and honestly, Mo Ibrahim going out uh, after that first down play might have been the biggest happening circumstance, whatever you want to call it, of the, of the day, or, or maybe one of the most crucial. Because they didn't gain anything on second down. And it forced them to throw with an inexperienced quarterback 
on third down. I was surprised that Iowa did not run more cover one in the second half. In the first half, I tweeted out, you are not going to get the job done today against Minnesota and that offensive line with just five or six defenders in the box. Minnesota today, if you look at their offense, that to me is what I would run with Iowa. I would install an RPO look. I'm not saying exclusively, but I would certainly have some RPO aspects to what they do. But most importantly, I would have three wides. My primary formation would be one running back and one tight end, 11 personnel, with three receivers, no fullback, running it out of shotgun. That's what I would do. What, what did you see? What did that make Iowa do? It made Iowa have its four down linemen, and one linebacker in the middle, and the other linebacker was off. I mean, there was no more than five or six Iowa defenders for the majority of the day in the box. That's what that type of formation forces the defense to do. And if you want to get, if if you want to walk that safety down and go to cover one, which is what I wanted Iowa to do, especially in the fourth quarter when Minnesota was going against the wind, you're going to force the other team to then throw it. And yeah, it's going to allow the other team to have some better odds in the passing game because you don't have two safeties back down there. You have more, you know, man or thirds responsibilities from your secondary. But I felt like if they didn't make the change, they were going to I think I I mean, listen, did I I hate using this term. It's going to make some people upset. Iowa got lucky. They were fortunate that Mo Ibrahim lost his second fumble of the season. They were fortunate that Mo Ibrahim got nicked up on that first down play and had to leave. And then you saw what happened when you forced their quarterback to throw it. I think Phil Parker got away with one there. Um, Because you can't say, you, you can't say that by not going to cover one, well, they still won. It wasn't necessarily because they stayed in their base tried and true and that was the difference the difference was luck the difference was mo ibrahim fumbled yeah iowa forced it and then mo ibrahim got nicked up and went out and it forced them to pass on a third and long i think phil got away with one there and honestly the iowa football program has gotten away with it this entire season not necessarily the cover one aspects. I'm just talking in general. I am still stunned that this team is seven and four. And given Illinois' loss today at Michigan, albeit on a field goal by Michigan with less than 20 seconds left, so the Wolverines won 19 to 17, and Ohio State also had a scare today against Maryland. Despite all that, Despite all that we've seen this year, Iowa controls their destiny. And if they win next week, they will go to Indianapolis. They will be Big Ten West champs. They would likely share that quote-unquote title with Purdue. But they would go to Indianapolis to play the winner of Michigan or Ohio State indoors. 
And is the offense looking a little better since the last time Iowa played those two teams? Yeah. Do I have a preference? I don't know yet. I mean, I've, Michigan, Michigan's offensive line I felt was better. Uh, Michigan's offensive line up to today I felt was the best offensive line that Iowa had faced all season. I think Minnesota's is better. But Michigan's is really, really good. However, I wouldn't mind another crack at the Wolverines. I don't think Iowa's going to beat either Michigan or Ohio State in Indianapolis. But whereas a year ago I said, do you really want to go to Indianapolis to get embarrassed? Iowa did do that. But you, you, you play the game to try to do big things. And if Iowa were to beat Michigan or Ohio State in Indianapolis, if they get there, if they get there, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about it. they got to beat Nebraska first. I know some of you superstitious people out there are nodding your head saying, yeah, thanks, John. You about blew it. I don't believe in superstition. But given this and how <laughs> hard-fought close affairs it's been for Iowa all season, it's probably a little bit presumptuous to assume they're just going to beat Nebraska next week. So... Let's see Iowa go and beat Nebraska, and we can talk about that other stuff following that game. Nebraska would, of course, love nothing more than to spoil things for Iowa. Nebraska uh, was ahead of Wisconsin um, today. Uh, they wound up losing. Wisconsin wound up coming back on them. So, you, you, you mean, Iowa's not going to take anybody lightly. Iowa's not going to overlook anybody. That you know Their offense doesn't play consistently enough for that to even happen. So, hey, bring on the Huskers. It wasn't pretty today, but boy, Iowa and the under, that was 32 and a half points. It's one of the lowest over-under totals in college football history, and it finished at 23. Your boy had Iowa plus two and a half and the under, so pay at this window. Iowa everywhere.